All right. So we just listened to uh, Don Granado's post game uh, press conference after last night's loss to the worst team in the league. I have to make sure I emphasize the fact that the Sabres lost to the worst team in the league. Now, granted, they've beaten, they beat Toronto pretty handily the other night. They've been on a, on a bit of a run. You know, they had some struggles when Marty St. Louis took over, but I'm not making excuses. That was, uh, that was as bad a game as I've seen last night. And it's going to take us back to a conversation that we had the other day with Elliot and not right away. Uh, but you know, it's about Don Granado and the whole team and everything, but good morning river. How's everything going today? Well, things suck, you know, like, I mean, <laughs> super irritated, you know, I'm just irritated. I mean, I'm irritated with what I'm watching. I mean, I, 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 uh, certainly try to stay positive and I wish the best for these guys, but you know, it's just not acceptable. This is not acceptable at all. I don't care what, what people say, you know, oh, they're, well, are they improving? That's the question. That's the first question that I have. Yes. I know that we have some youth in the lineup, but Holy jumping. We need to see some improvement. We need to see some jam. We need to see, you know, some guys that, uh, that look like they care. And there's just, there's guys in this lineup that absolutely should not be playing on this team. And I don't know why they still are. That's my frustration. I mean, that's what happens when you, when it's hard to uh, attract players or get players or you're ah, in a, a it has complete... nothing to do with that. Okay, maybe, that's maybe that's horse shit, man. Oh, you're going to attract well, players. Listen, I mean, you got to go out and you have to, you know, make, make some changes. I mean, I'm sitting there looking at the problem is the guys that we would have to move out. There's so many of them that you're going to have to alter your, you know, over half your team. So I don't see, I don't see like a majority of these players being in the lineup in two years. Oh no, me neither. Well, there's been regular turnover. I mean, it, there's year after year, there's 10 new players in the lineup. I mean, it, like a couple of years ago, there were 10 new players and opening night from the year before the year before that there were 10 new players. I mean, yeah, like I, I just look and I wonder, okay, uh, I'm not saying that, that, okay, I don't even know how to word this without it just sounding like, like a total asshole. But I mean, how much of this falls on the coach? I said to you the other day, I am not sold on Don Granado. I know he's a great guy. I don't even know if I've ever met him, but all I hear is he's a great guy. I may have met him. Maybe I'd have, I don't know, but all I, I, I know he's a great guy. I know the players like him as a person. I don't know that they don't like him as a coach or that they do like him as a coach. I know they like him as a person. And I think that's important. That's important to point out, but you know, I didn't let you the other day. uh, I I didn't get, I don't want to say I didn't get a chance, but I didn't want to overtake Elliot's segment with my beef with the coach. Okay. But when you're playing the last place team and you say, Oh, they were better than us here and they were better than us there. And we couldn't react to it. And the, and you know, they fed off the energy of half the, half the capacity crowd. Like what would the score have been if that place was full 15, nothing because fed off the crowd, fed off the crowd, fed off the crowd, percent of the people in the building. 
give me a break, like excuse after excuse after excuse. And then you say, oh, we're missing two pretty good wingers in Oposo and Olafson. Oposo's, I think you miss Oposo. But don't say you've been missing Olafson. Like the guy's been absent. I got in shit the other day. I sent out that. I even sent it to you. I said, what a gutless tweet I sent out. But I was like, oh, Olafson scored twice. I didn't even know he was still on the Sabres. People were like, I thought you still cover the team. Like it was, a, it was a joke. It was a joke because the guy's been invisible and you're paying him three point some odd million dollars to just score goals, even on the power play. And he, he went, how many games? 30 something games without a goal. Look, the, the fact of the matter is here for me. And I'll just, I'll just, let me just get this off my chest because I, I, I you know, I, I have the ability to ramble on. Don Granado is not going to be the coach that takes this team to the next level. He might be a good teaching coach. Okay. He might be able to teach some of these guys. And yes, Tage Thompson's playing well. And yes, you know, we're seeing a little bit better out of Darlene, even though he completely pulled the emergency break and jumped out of that hit and they gave the puck away. But like Don Granado, Don, this is this is my title for Don Granado's coaching tenure here in Buffalo. Clearly, the organization is in a cost-effective mode. Okay, save money, don't spend a ton of money. You know, because you're probably you're still paying Kruger, you're still paying Bottrell, you might still be paying Tim Murray, you could still be paying who knows who else you're still paying that doesn't work here. You think that's why? But, you think decisions are made over? Yes, I think I think decisions are made over dollars and cents. I think Don Granado was hired as an inexpensive experiment because well, how much would it have costed to get Boudreaux? Couple, couple and a half million. You're paying Ralph Kruger probably still his money from this year. That's what, three, four million bucks? You might still be paying Dan Bilesma. I don't even know. Like you've paid more people more money to not work for the organization than work for the organization. You know, like you go and hire a brand new GM who's never been a GM, you know, and, and Kevin's done a good job. Okay. But to me, that's a stopgap cost-effective move, move. And to me, it all kind of summarizes one thing, a for sale sign. You know, I think, I think expenses are being kept extremely low, you know, from coaches, you know, to management and, wherever else player personnel, you know, you got two goalies on league minimum. What team in the league has two goalies on league minimum? I don't know any. Okay. I don't think any, any, you've got more players on one way um, league minimum deals. It's like everything is, is about cost effective. And that's what I think. And I think Don Granado's falling into that. I don't think he was ready to be a head coach. I don't think he was ready to be a head coach. And I don't even mess. I don't, I don't get the sense from him and maybe, and you've played for a lot more coaches than I have, but, mm. but I do expect the coach to get the players ready to play. I do expect them to have their, their, their brains ready to go because of the coach's preparation. I do expect them to go out and beat Montreal last night and not get out coached by a coach who was literally coaching Bantam two weeks ago. I do expect that out of this coach. I do. And yeah. You know, and, and that's I'm not that's, sure you can, you know, listen, I, I, uh, I listen to, to your thoughts, your sentiments, and we've, we've discussed this before. I'm not quite sure that this falls on Don Granado. 
I think that this team right now, and I, I like, I have been the biggest broken record. Like people who listen to this show, okay, this podcast, the show before, I've given my opinion over and over and over again. And I, and I believe that team makeup is, is essential to be able to win hockey games consistently in this league. We have a player right now. Like I, I can just go through, well, go, go on with that point. Go, 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 go on. So, so I just be, we, we have, we have players on our third and fourth lines that if they can't make the, the first two lines and in the way that they're, they play the game, they shouldn't be in this league. I believe that there, there has to be a certain type of player on every single line. There has to be a team makeup. There is no team makeup here. Like we are, we are one of the worst teams in the league yet again. And I just go back to, you know, there, I just look at the lineup and I think that there's a lot of, there is a lot that still needs to be. And I know like, listen, I mean, Kevin Adams taken over this team and he's going to be patient because he needs to allow this team to, as Darcy Regeer said it 11 years ago, suffer. Okay. Before it gets better. The problem is uh, the fan base here is not in a, in a, they're not in a state of, of allowing the process to suffer because they've been suffering for 11 years. And I just continue to look after 11 years, I'm looking at the lineup and we're talking, you have the head coach talking about Kyle Oposo and, and Victor Olofsson were desperately missed. Victor Olofsson has scored two goddamn goals in 30 plus games. He hasn't been, he hasn't been near the front of the net, like literally close to the net the entire season. There's a reason why he doesn't score goals because you can't just use your big shot who everybody knows about now. Now you have to go to the, the scoring areas. Okay. So coaching and that, that has nothing to do with coaching. Like, so I, I get what you're saying about personnel and having certain types of players on certain lines. But if you don't have those players as a good coach, can't like you sit here? And I know you can't expect Anders a guy York and put him on a fourth line. Anders B York, Anders B York in the last 20 games has zero goals, one assist. And he's like minus eight. Stylistically, he you, might you not be the player is. that you want, but at the same time, if you're a good coach, can't you coach that player to at least play a a certain way or understand? No. I'm no, not saying can't. physical. I'm not saying no, physical because that's exactly what he needs to be. He hasn't hit a guy all year. That's not his game. But he's riff, playing riff. In a role. I'm not even talking about, I'm not talking about physicality because this team doesn't have any. So, so, so to, to sit, well, hence, actually, that's not true. That that's not true. We're the Samuelson, fifth worst team in the league. Samuelson, rookie, and Fitzgerald, rookie. You know, those guys show a little jam. I'll throw a little love to John Hayden because I know the intentions, the, the good intentions are there. John but Hayden what had what zero I'm, hits last night. Why are we throwing him in there? He is a question mark for me. You asked me the other day, should John Hayden come back? I don't know. I probably wouldn't bring him back. Right. He does not show what I just I don't need. like. 
I know. I don't role. like. I don't like shitting on guys that are what are you least so you're willing gonna to shit. Go. You're going to sit here and you're going to shit on uh, on the coach because yeah, because I'm not seeing structurally a sound hockey team. We're 50. How many games in are we? 52, 53. Hold on. 50, 50. Hold on. I got to check. I'm pretty sure it's like 52. Well, you got Tate Thompson games. playing center. Okay. He's never played center before. He's a winger. So he's taking up a center position. You got Dylan cousins. As far as I'm concerned, has had a struggle this year in his, in his uh, development. Cause I think he's been lost for a large part of this year, Casey Middlestats has come back. He has not played a lot of games. Where do you put him? You put him on wing or are you putting him at center? You have Peyton Krebs, who you brought in here. He is a natural center. He's played center his entire life. He's playing on wing. Don Granato said last night they had Middlestat, Cousins, and Krebs together, and they all look like they were lost because their, their job description, Krebs is not a winger. That's Dylan three, Cousins three centermen on one line, isn't it? It's three centermen on one line. And, and I just think, you know, we're, we're, well, that's a I don't co- even know. That's a coaching issue. Into like, why are you putting those three players on the same line together? That's, you know what I mean? Like that's to me, that's a coaching question. I mean, look, I don't see anything in their game preparation that shows that they are ready to play on a nightly basis. I, I just don't. I don't see any structure in the defensive zone that leads me to believe that these players are are being taught how to play in the defensive zone. The defensive zone is it's it's the most important area. And and Marty St. Louis told his players, you know, you can have a little more freedom here, here, and here, but there's one area that we're not there's no room for negotiation in one area of the ice. That's in the defensive zone. Like, where is that on our team? Where are the benchings on our team? Where are the, where's the accountability on our team? Where are you, when are you taking players and putting them in the press box? It's not like we're loaded with stars that have more say than you do. Yes. I have an issue with the coach. I have an issue with this coach because I don't care how young the team is. I don't see any of these players getting better. Yes. Tage is producing. He's producing, but he went on a long streak where he didn't do anything. You know, it's like, he's not a centerman. He's terrible on his face-offs. Historically, I went back and looked at all the games. He is terrible on face-offs. He's had a couple games where he's 52, 51%. And that's fine. I think he got as high as 55 one night, but he's normally in the thirties, twenties. I think one game he was 13%. It's like, you know, sooner or later, you have to make adjustments you can't just ride something because you're sworn by it in your own head. Yes, that is a coaching issue for me. It is. It absolutely is. And again, there's I don't I don't know anything about Marty Wilford. I uh, you know, I know Matty Ellis, but I mean this is a this is like it's an experiment. This is an experiment and it was done out of desperate measures. You know, like Kevin, you know, brought on his guys and it was, it's, it was all cost effective. It's all cost effective, you know, like 
Yes, I, I do. I have, I have, I have issues. I have issues, and you know, and people, people are starting to see so it. So, what, where, where do they need to go? Like, I mean, we just walked into Montreal Canadiens, the worst team without question in the National Hockey League, has struggled immensely, and they just beat our team for nothing. Could have been seven nothing. I know Granado referenced a couple posts, but even still, could have been seven eight nothing. Where do they go from here? Do you see the development in the young players that we're, we're watching? Like Alex Tuck and, and Tage Thompson and Jeff Skinner. Um, it's a line that, that I would keep together because I think that they've shown chemistry and you have to give them the props that they've played actually quite well. But there's three lines be, be underneath that line that I just don't see I just don't see we're lacking. We're lacking. And I know I get it. We're, we're, we're going to be patient with uh, Peyton Krebs and, and for that matter, Dylan cousins, because I don't think Dylan cousins has had um, by no stretches. He had a bad season. There's no, he's still so young. He's just a, he's a young hockey player, but I really want to see consistency in the way that we play. And it's just, it seems like it's like a yo-yo. I'll say this. I'm going to throw Jeff Skinner a bone after last night. There was actually, there was a time where there was a, an odd man rush. It was three on two. It was a three on two for Montreal. And it was in the, would have been the third period. And he absolutely flew back. Might've been a two on one. He flew back and broke up the play. I was really impressed by that. I was like, holy shit, like almost impressed enough to take the Twitter, but I'm like, I don't want to be tweeting all game, every game, Jesus. Like, but so, you know, I, like I noticed that and I, I'm glad I just remembered that, but I, and I noticed that. So I wanted to throw him a bone, but so, I mean, I, you know, I've, I've been, I've been impressed with Skinner to be honest with you, but you know, just, I don't know if you're ready to move on from last night's game or not, or where to go from here, but I mean, you got the, the trade deadline coming up here. And I have reason to believe, you know, what's one thing the Sabres should be doing at the deadline? It's not a trick question. I just am curious. What's one thing, in your opinion, you feel the Sabres should be doing at the deadline to make this team better in the future? Other than trading away, like, some some players trading away. Yeah, like I mean, there's gonna be there's gonna be guys moved off this roster. Okay, but that's not what I'm talking about. But I What's, I don't. I say there's guys gonna be moved off the roster, but I just don't know of how many teams in the league are gonna want the guys that we're gonna be providing for them. I I mean, you know, there's there's very few pieces that I think, you know contending teams are going to want off this team. So when I look at it in order to continue to move the needle forward in a positive manner, the, the one thing that, that I've talked about with you is, is taking on salary and getting a, a draft pick, like a high draft pick. We are or a prospect to, or a, a good young prospect because you're going to take really on a really good young big prospect. contract, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, there's going to be in, there's going to be a situation that 
at the deadline, there are going to be teams that are right at the top. The top 10 teams in the league are going to be making moves to put themselves in a position to give them a shot at going for the Stanley Cup. The problem with those top teams is they are, they're already at the cap ceiling. So in order to orchestrate any type of trade, the Sabres would have to be taking on a lot of salary for, let's just say, two teams to be able to make a trade. Now, Buffalo comes in as a third party that can take on money and get really high, high-end draft picks or, or, or prospects. And uh, I think that's what they should be doing. I think okay, you know, well, they I have, have the most I agree team with in the you. National Hockey League. I agree with you. And I have reason to believe that, that's, that they're not going to be willing to do that. That they are not how's going that, to be. How's that even possible? That I, look, I and I hope I'm wrong. More I hope salary. I'm wrong. They have more cap space than any team in the National Hockey League. And I'm not talking about picking up half of Victor Olison's salary to get him off the roster. I'm talking about taking on big money to get something significant in exchange for it. Like that's the kind of move that I'm talking. And I don't know what kind of deals I'm even referring to. And nothing specific, but just. All I'm saying is that I'm, I'm led to believe that that's not going to be the case. And that's going to, if that doesn't happen, if they are not actively trying to take on money for the remainder of this year um, to, to acquire some good young players or, or picks or whatever, then to me, that's a telltale sign that this team is for sale. hundred percent. Like, a hundred percent. You'll throw, if that's the case, if you'll throw away an entire season for the best odds at McDavid, but you won't take on money to try to continue to build your team for the future. I mean, just step aside, step aside, step away. Like, shouldn't that be one of the biggest things that we're watching at the deadline? Wouldn't absolutely. that be one of the biggest things that we should be watching as basically Sabres fans is is basically seeing if this team is looking to take on salary, okay, for for high draft picks or or top end prospects. That's what I that's what I expect this year. That's what pe- that's what the fans are wanting. Like that's the thing. That's what that's what uh, that's what people need to understand. Who don't understand how how smart this fan base is is that they follow the salary cap, they listen to the numbers, they understand the the circumstances and the situations. They know that you can take on players or money and get get a little bit of more, get a little bit of something more in return. Like so, that's that that's where this all stems from, like from reading what people want. And I can't disagree with any of them. Like that's, that's what needs to happen. And if, if that's not what's going to happen and, and I know it's, you know, we're, a, we're a little under a month away from that, but I'm just sitting here and I watched that game last night. And again, I just, I got a lot of, there, I got, there are a lot of holes in this organization. There are a lot of holes in this organization and I don't want to hear people say, well, we got Quinn coming. We got Paterka coming. We got power coming because there's 
by you know how many years away they are from actually making an impactful difference to the team? Yeah, two, two, three for sure. All for sure. Like, yeah. look how long it took Tage Thompson. It's not Tage Thompson playing center, by the way. It's just it's him getting an opportunity, having confidence, being healthy, maturity, getting stronger, playing with better players. Like it's all those perfect storms coming together for Tage Thompson. It's not just, hey, Tage is playing center. Fuck, how come he wasn't playing center the last couple of years? It has nothing to do with that. Yeah. It's all those perfect he wasn't, scenarios. He wasn't able to play center years ago because he wasn't strong enough, fast enough, smart enough, like the maturity uh, physically. Um, he has developed, and it's taken, it's not, I wouldn't say a long time, but Tage is what, 24 years old? Uh, I'm going to check that one. I think he's 24. Um, you're, you're normally right with this stuff. I just, I just like the fact he's 24 years old. There you go. Uh, you know, it, it, it's taken a long time and now we're, now we're going to look at, you know, Owen power, who I think is going to be a fantastic defenseman in the national hockey league for a very long time, but we can't expect him to walk in as a rookie and just completely dominate. And he might be, he might be able to dominate if he was on a better hockey team with, with veteran leadership. Okay, where he 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 doesn't have the pressure. It's like you you go and look at you know Kale McCarr, and he's just on a he's on a fantastic hockey team. You know that is that is led by Langeskog and and Nate McKinnon and Mika Rantanen. These guys are taking the pressure off of you know Kale McCarr. There's also, you know, on, on Colorado, it's, it's like, you don't, you don't understand what's on the Colorado team until you actually go and go and take a look at their salary cap. And you realize that, you know, Kale McCarr is also surrounded by an older Eric Johnson. Remember Eric Johnson, first overall draft pick, St. Louis blues, you know, there, there's guys, Jack Johnson, that's that's an older statesman. Uh, Devon Taves is an older player. He's surrounded with guys that are going to help him mature and make him better. And then on the forward line, it's like you go look at it. They're just they're 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 steep in the upper and the upper eight, uh, you know group that take all the pressure off of a Kale McCarr. You look at Owen Power. Owen Power next year is going to, he's not going to be on a team like Colorado. He's going to have some heartache, just like, you know, Rasmus Dahlin was considered the best first round draft pick defenseman in the last, you know, 20, 30 years. But he's had his struggles because the team is so bad that it doesn't support Rasmus Dahlin and the things that he does not do well. So it's going to take a little bit longer for these guys to mature. I sent out something uh, after we had Elliot on. Uh, Elliot made the comment about Owen Powers going to sign after this year. He believed, well, actually, he didn't say he's going to sign. He has reasons to believe that Power will play games for the Sabres this year. And, and I just said, are you surprised by this? Because I am, I, you know what, I, I was a l- not nervous, but I was wondering if maybe there's a chance this kid goes back to college for another year. I, I mean, I, I didn't, I wasn't sure. I mean, is that ridiculous thought? I don't, 
I don't know if that's a ridiculous thought because I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, why would he want to step into this? Like they're almost in last place again, again, you know? And I just, I don't know, like, I don't know if that's the saving grace or not, but I just, I thought, what if, I don't think it was that I thought maybe he could, it's like, what if he does, what if this kid opts out of coming to the NHL for a second year? I mean, that would be a really bad look. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But anyway, I look, I, I just watched last night and I, I just think, you know, you have Marty St. Louis who's never coached a game in the NHL or even been on an NHL bench as a coach. And his team goes out and slaps the piss out of, out of the Sabres. And I just think it's a bad look, man. It's a bad look, a team that you just beat and what they beat them last time. Five. What was the score last time? Five, one, five, two. Yeah. I'll check on that one too, but something, something like that. Yeah. They just, right now they're, they're trying to live and die with their first line. I mean, Tage Thompson and Alex Tuck and Jeff Skinner have been completely on fire for the last uh, month or so. And they've, they've kept them in games. There's no question, but there has been nothing after that. You know, it's been a struggle, you know, um, you know, Erasmus Asplund, who I think that we, we expect a lot more from like in 20 games, he has no goals and he has two assists and he's not physical. He's not, you know, an energy player. He's just, he's basically a space holder. I don't need to see space holders. I need to, I need to see pieces to the puzzle. And I just look at, you know, John Hayden, we need him to play a certain style. We need to be him to be an energetic missile on the ice that are cranking guys and irritating guys on the other team and maybe, you know, some scrums so they can, you know, well, take the focus off of the game a little bit. Like there just needs to be, you know, Cody Eakin to me is looks like he is like, you know, disinterested. He looks very disinterested. Absolutely. Victor Olofsson, can you explain to me with this guy's shot and skill set how he can go? What what is he at? 30 some games and he he scored two goals the uh, a couple games ago. Those were his two first two goals in like 28 games in a row. How is that even possible? Yeah, I know. You know, there's a lot of concern. Like, why are why are top players on our team not not continuing to flourish? So there's last thing I'll say about this, and then you know, you can go you can go for as long as you want, but uh, I'm just looking up Olafson's game logs here on the NHL. Uh, don't do it don't do it i gotta do it not gonna be pretty oh boy oh boy a lot of zeros there you want me to count how many games i don't i don't need to three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen fifteen let me just page down here 16 17 18 19 20 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 that's 29 30 yeah 30 games so 31 games is 31st game in a row uh with no goals he scored two so we got that going for us which is nice you know and you know the worst thing about Victor Olsen scoring only two goals in the last 31 games uh yes i do i know exactly what is worse. it what is it it's that he he's been invisible. 
He does nothing else. Does nothing else. Like he is, he is in this league to score goals, to be a power play specialist, to be a factor on our power play, which will give our, our team an opportunity or a better chance of winning. So if he's not scoring, he does nothing. Because defensively, he is very average. He literally has not hit one single guy all year. He's not going to the danger areas. He's not going to muck things up. He's, I mean, he is a pure, skilled hockey player that's a goal scorer. That's his job in this league. And when you have two goals in 31 games, you've only scored one. You've only scored in one game in 31. That's a, it's a huge problem. Huge problem. But it doesn't surprise me whatsoever because in, in years past, you know, there was so much, there was so much focus on Jack Eichel on the one side on the power play that they basically forgot or, or gave up more opportunity to Victor Olsen for that one-timer shot or, or the quick release shot from the other side. Goes all the way back to my point. Why is he not a healthy scratch at some point? Like that's a coaching decision that comes to, unless it's not a coaching decision, you know, but you know, I go back to one, I go back to one more thing, one more thought, but why is Victor Olson in the lineup? Why is Anders Bjork in the lineup? Did you trade a Taylor Hall? Go get a, go get a less Did skilled you trade player. A Taylor Hall. And when you, cause you signed Taylor Hall for 8 million bucks or whatever it was. And you know, that was the one move that was going to lead us to the playoffs. If you're, if you recall, yeah, from the beyond blue and gold. So if we do this, we're not doing this. We're doing this because this is gonna we're gonna win the cup. Uh, yeah. Um, there's one word. There's one word that I remember from the day that Kevin was hired after the mass slaughtering of employees here. Um, and that was he he used the word connectivity. Connectivity, connectivity to the fans, connectivity to the fans. Well. What's one, I'm not, I, okay. If someone said to me, build a team that connects to your fan base here in Buffalo, what's the first thing you're doing, Craig? (laughs) What's the first thing you're doing? You're, you're going to build a team that number one is extremely tight. Okay. Number two, you're going to build a team that will play for one another that you have a large number of junkyard dogs that fans are going to connect to you're you're and in order to win hockey games, you need your high end skill hockey players to produce. Okay. The Danny Briers, the juries, the Pekka's, you know, you can go through the, the, the Vanix, the Derek Roy's, you know, all the way down through the, through the time here in Buffalo, you need in order to be highly competitive, you need top end skills, top end skill set, but you also need role players that will help the top end skill set to round out what your team has. And for I, I've watched this team for ten years. We we are not we are not a rounded hockey team. We we look very disconnected. You're going to build a team that is hard nosed and physical. You're going to have two defensemen that are are bone crushers. 
and you're going to have five, your bottom two lines are going to be checking line guys that check and fight. That's connectivity to your fan base. You do not have 12 players that are literally terrified on a nightly basis of maybe one player in the other team. Simple as that. That's connectivity to the fan base. And, and I, you know, and, and I, those players aren't hard to bring in because those players are, are, are the ones that are looking for jobs and opportunity to play. That's the perfect market. Buffalo is the perfect market for those kinds of players. So I want to know, and you brought it up the other day. I want to know who is setting the rules about not having physical players on this team. Is it ownership? Because it, in, in, I don't know how many years it's been since we've like John Hayden. I don't want to put John Hayden in that category. He went to Yale. Okay. Like, what I'm, I'm talking about are meat and potatoes. I'm talking about meat and potato guys that are literally junkyard dogs, as you would describe them. Are, are the Sabres not in the market for having those types of players? I wonder. I wonder if the Pagulas don't want those types of players on their team. I, I, I wonder that. And I'll, we'll never know because we're not privy of being in those, in those meetings. But to me, that's connectivity. I understand this fan base. Trust me played here. I get, I get what they, I know you played here too, but I, I get what they, I get what they want. I know what they love. I know what they love before I got here. And I know what they long for since you and I left. So I'll end it on that. Anything played, else to add? I played, I played against the Sabres when I was a Montreal Canadian and I played against Lindy, Lindy Ruff and his, I, I would call them soldiers. It's the only way to describe them because they were all super connected in what they needed to do to be successful. It seemed like an extremely tight team. They were very, 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 as a former player that played against them, they were very unpleasant to play against. I was not worried about Chris Jury. And Danny Briere and players of that nature, I was worried about I was worried about trying to survive a game of junkyard dogs that made my 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 life a living hell. And I knew that, you know, Danny Briere, who is, you know, not a physical hockey player, but he actually played physical because he knew that he could, because he knew that other players on the team had his back. So the entire connectivity through your top player on your offense to the bottom 12 forward were connected. And it was the same thing through, you know, the Jay McKee and the Warner and the Bugner and all of the defensemen from, you know, Soupy Campbell that's laying massive body checks and knowing that he was going to be supported in anything that he did on the ice, it was a very, very tough team to play against. There was connectivity through the entire team, from the players to the coaches to the GM. And right now, I, I haven't seen that connectivity 
in 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. It, there's a, there's an interesting tie there. All right. We'll wrap it up because I think people have heard enough and that's all I got. We'll be back on Monday. Guess. Oh, I got to mention this. If you're sticking around for this point of the podcast, Tuesday is going to be great. Sean Avery is in the, signing in the East coast hockey league. And we've got maybe one of his biggest arch rivals joining the show. Can't wait. You know who I'm talking about? Yes, I do. Oh my God. I can't wait. Great stuff today. Riff. Anything to add before we go? Nope. Enjoy your weekend. Yep. You too. See you, everybody. That's a wrap on another episode of after the whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter after the whistle and at Craig Reve 52 at the instigator 76. And you can find us as you already know on Apple, Spotify and YouTube and anywhere else where you can get your podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word. Thank <laughs> you.